Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Leslie. Father God, I ask today that you'll open our hearts, our minds, our spirit, that we'll understand what you are saying to us from your word, that we'll be able to apply it to our lives, that we'll find healing for things that have hurt us in the past, and that we might move forward for you, for the kingdom, and for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's lots of ways to read the Bible and, and for ways to preach the Bible. I can just you know, preach line upon line and, and tell you what it means. But what I want to do this sermon series is look at the letter to the Philippians. And I'm looking for a theme. I'm looking for something in particular. And what I'm looking in particular today at is attitude. And for the next weeks as we go through the letter to the Philippians, it's our attitudes because attitudes make an incredible difference to the way we live our lives. And the importance of right attitude was, was once uh, captured by the owner of a donut shop and he put this sign in front of his shop. When along life's journey you roll, keep your eye on the donut and not the hole. <laughs> That's profound. And it's so true. You can look at the empty space, all the good stuff. Let's get our focus right. Let's get our attitude right. I like that saying. Attitude makes a lot of difference. Sports psychologists have worked on this constantly with athletes. I mean, if you take a bunch of Olympic athletes, they're roughly all the same size, right? the same strength and ability. They've all trained. What makes the difference? What makes the winner on the day? Attitude often does that. It's their, their mindset, the winner's attitude. So next, over the next few weeks, we're going to work our way through Paul's letter to Philippians, looking at attitude. And having the, the right attitude is one of the keys to successful Christian living. Attitude is about the way we think. 
and we do not naturally think the right way. I can promise you that. We don't. That's why, the, why life is often so painful. And that's why the Bible in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says we must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've got to think differently. We've got to think according to the way God wants us to think. We need to change that. I know we're all born again people, but that's happened in my spirit. My mind now has to come in line with what's happened in my spirit. And that comes through me reading the Word of God, meditating upon that, understanding the way God wants me to think. The Apostle Paul was a man whose mind had been transformed by God. Paul had the right attitude. He was a man with attitude. Read his letters. He was a man with attitude, wasn't he? But he had God's attitude. Paul was a man who could have been incredibly bitter. He had a tough life. He was often hurt. He was often hurt by people. Yet when we read his letters in the Bible, we see that when he recognizes, even though he recognizes other people have hurt him, he forgives them. He could even say that he loved them. God had transformed Paul so that he was constantly walking in this incredible attitude of forgiveness. So let's have a look at that a moment. Have a look at the, the hurt that the Apostle Paul endured at Philippi. That's my first point. When, when Paul came to Philippi the first time, he was subject to an incredible persecution. If you read the book of Acts in, uh, in Acts chapter 16, Paul had been to a little prayer meeting and he met up with Lydia and a few other people and he explained the gospel to them and he was wandering around through Philippi and he met a slave girl there who had a spirit and by that spirit she was able to predict the future and the owners of this slave girl made a lot of money because of her ability to predict the future. I mean, wouldn't you like that? What's the lot of numbers this week, darling? Yeah, that'd be cool. But Paul was frustrated with all of this. And he told the spirit to come out of her. And we read in Acts chapter 16, verses 19 20 to 22, when the owners had realized that their money-making girl no longer told the future, they were very angry. And they had Paul and Silas, these two missionaries, they had them arrested and the magistrates then had Paul and Silas stripped and beaten and locked up. They were severely flogged. They had their feet put into stocks in the jail. And through a miracle, they were set free by an earthquake in the middle of the night. And when Paul writes, he says this, you know, in, in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 2, he says, We previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. So he's going through a hard time in this place in Philippi. They suffered in two incredible ways. There's the physical pain from being flogged. Who wants to be whipped? Not me. Terrible pain that goes through, you go through. And there's the public humiliation. I mean, Paul and Silas, they were Roman citizens. It was illegal what happened to them because they were flogged and jailed without a trial. So there's the humiliation of all of that. So I endured quite some persecution. But not only that, there's now the Philippian church which has come into being. And Paul suffered from a lack of support. First of all, the Philippian church supported for Paul. And then sometime after, their support dropped off. Can you imagine being a missionary somewhere? You're dependent on support from the people that send you. Ah, terrific. They're, they're sending money, they're looking after us. And then, for various circumstances, they've forgotten about you for a while. They can't support you. That's a bit rough, isn't it? This is hurtful to Paul. The promised support dries up. Now, maybe you can relate to Paul. 
in, in, in the hurt that he felt. Maybe people have inflicted pain on you. Maybe it was physical. Maybe it was emotional. Maybe you've been publicly humiliated, left with a sense of embarrassment and shame. And perhaps you remember that right now. So how did Paul face up to the people who had hurt him so deeply in the past? How did he deal with that hurt? Paul overcame this difficulty through the attitude of gratitude. Paul was a grateful man. Through gratitude, Paul came to know the freedom that comes through forgiving others and of being able to pray a blessing for them. Now, what really interests me about this is I want to preach some more from God's Word for the moment, but I'm going to turn away from God's Word for a second and turn to that dreadful place called science. Science affects a lot of us. What I'm going to talk to you about from the Bible has cold, hard science behind it. If you Google the attitude of gratitude, scientific facts, you'll find that there are reams and reams of scientific studies about gratitude. There are probably, I could, you know, in a quick look through Google and that sort of stuff, there are seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude. Let me say what science shows us. Gratitude, first of all, opens the door to more relationships. Let's face it, you want to be around a grateful person, don't you? If someone's uptight and ungrateful for everything you do, you just, nah, I don't want to know you. Gratitude opens up the door to better relationships. Gratitude also improves physical health. That's amazing. People feel healthier and better if they are grateful for all the others that are around about them. Gratitude improves psychological health, and there's lots and lots of re research about that. Now, people who have suffered from the toxic emotions of envy and resentment and frustration and regret, once they become grateful people, those things are beginning to be dealt with. Gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Aggressive people are very rarely grateful people. Grateful people sleep better. Now, you've heard me say this before. When I go to sleep at night, I look for three things at least that I can say to God, my Father, these are three things that I am grateful for. Even when I've had one of those miserable days, and they happen, I know, I come before God and say, Father, there are three things I'm going to thank you, thank you for today. And I tell you what, once I focus in on that and focus in on God's goodness, all the other rubbish is left in the rubbish heap. And I have a nice sleep. It works. So great gratitude also improves self-esteem. That's amazing. I want to have good self-esteem, don't you? People who are grateful have better self-esteem. There are lots of studies about that. And gratitude also increases mental strength. There's a fascinating study, and a whole bunch of studies actually about this, that people suffering from, from post-traumatic stress disorder, those that become gratitude experience much less of that. And they studied a whole bunch of Vietnam veterans on this one. Fascinating. People who've been, who had, had uh, resilience to terrorist attacks. Again, those that were grateful were able to work their way through it much better than those that did not have the attitude of gratitude. So there's at least seven. You go and look in your, in your computer at home. There are lots of scientific studies behind this. So finally, the scientific world is catching up with what the Bible teaches us anyway. All right? So there's some, some more authority apart from the Word of God. I'm happy to stand with the Word of God alone. But I know for some people, science is useful. So there you go. The Apostle Paul. 
I want to talk about the gratitude he felt, he, he felt to God. He expressed in this way in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He thanks God every time he remembers them. Paul was so grateful to God for all of his blessings that he habit, had a habit of, of praying with thanksgiving for the things that had happened to him. He has a prayer, he prays in a way, and he, and he tells us why he's thankful to God. In, in Philippians uh, chapter 1 verse 5, he says he's thankful for their partnership in the gospel. In verse 6, he's thankful because God touched their lives and he would continue to transform them. In verse 7, he, he's grateful because of God's grace, which both he himself and the Philippians had received. Grace that had come to Paul when he was free and grace that had come to Paul when he was beaten up and in prison. The grace that had come to Philippi as they received the good news about Jesus into their lives, which begs the question, have you received God's grace? You need to receive God's grace to be able to pass on God's grace. How true is that? Because if you haven't got it in you, you've got nothing to give. You can't give grace out of your own resources. It doesn't work. You'll dry up real fast. But if you've got the Spirit of God working in you, my goodness, the change that comes then. So Paul could look beyond the hurts that he'd suffered to a God who could heal him and transform him. So the question is, thinking about the donut in the hole, where's your focus? What are you focusing in on this morning? Where does your focus lie? Is it still on your hurts? On the people who hurt you? Or is your focus on Almighty God? Healing comes when we look away from people and away from the circumstances and look back to God. Get your focus off your circumstances. Get your focus back on God. That's vital. So Paul felt an incredible attitude of gratitude towards God. But also, another point is that he, he had incredible gratitude that he felt for the individuals. Paul wasn't just grateful to God, he's grateful to the people whom God was using. Notice the number of times he says all and every in these verses. He thanked God in verse 3 for every remembrance of them. Now this fascinates me. Every time he thinks of the Philippians, every time, well, Paul's like you and me. He remembers things. He remembers that he was in prison. He remembers that he was abused. He remembers that he was unjustly treated. He remembers that. Yet every time he remembers, every time he thanks God. Every remembrance of the people. In verse 4, he always, in every prayer for them, thanks God. In verse 7, all of you sharing God's grace. In verse 8, he longed for all of them. And he prayed in verse 9 that, that love might abound with all knowledge and depth of insight. So he's feeling incredibly grateful for these people. How grateful are you feeling for the people that are around about you? Whether they abuse you or hurt you has got nothing to do with it. Are you grateful for them? And the way God is working in their lives. Transforms your thinking, it really does. Paul's gratitude... His love and his concern was not selective. Ours often is selective. I'm very grateful for the people that are nice to me. We love those who love us. We accept those who accept us. 
It's a mutual admiration society, isn't it? How nice that is. But Paul's love was for all of them. All of them include those who shouted with the crowd against him and Silas before he was flogged and in prison. All of them includes those who had withdrawn their support when he needed it. All of them includes those people with all of their faults. Paul prayed for them and he was thankful. He was grateful for even the little things in people or in situations. We must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Think in a different way. Pray in a different way. Gratitude has a wonderful heal, is a wonderful healing attitude that releases us emotionally. And that's very important. It's the antidote to that poison of resentment that literally eats away at our insides. I said something dreadful the other day to someone. I said, you make me sick. And afterwards I thought, Martin, you horrible person. Not only have you abused someone by saying that, you pronounced a curse over yourself, you idiot. I had to repent of that. Quick smile. I had to bring it before God and say, Father, I'm sorry. I don't know how that came out of my mouth. I didn't have the guard over my tongue. I repented that because I'm not going to make myself sick on their behalf. I tell you what, resentment makes you sick. Resentment causes ulcers. It does. It eats you up from the inside out. You don't want that. It distorts your, your vision of reality. It, it, it reads wrong motives into innocent words and actions. And my goodness, I've seen some of that. You look at someone sideways, but if the resentment is there, you didn't mean anything by it, and that they've taken umbrage at the whole deal. But gratitude, gratitude releases us to love with the love of Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells him, in, tells him in verse 8, he says, I'm loving you. I'm loving you with Jesus' love. Have a look at it. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's longing for the people who once abused him and put him in jail and beat him and forgot to support him when they should have. What a release. What freedom. What improvement in our mental and physical condition could come when we become grateful people. Now, so far, all we've got is some very nice information this morning. And you can say, thanks, Martin, great sermon, lovely, enjoy that. It's useless unless you and I put it into action. Faith without works is dead. It says so in the Bible. So let's look at this final point. We need to express this gratitude. That's the final point for this morning. The gratitude that's expressed, that Paul expressed. Paul is telling his friends in Philippi, why he's so grateful to God for them and also why he is praying for them. And if he hadn't written to them this particular letter, they would never have known. Now through this letter, he's building them up. He's emotionally, physically and spiritually sharing his gratitude for all that God means to him and what they mean to him. He puts it in writing. There's research behind this, in fact, that if you put in writing your gratitude to others... Whether you send it to them or not actually doesn't make a difference. It's actually just getting it out and putting it down on paper. That somehow works in us and it transforms us and you'll find that the, your, the, the way that your brain function actually changes. They can measure this by writing down your gratitude for others. 
It changes your brain function. It improves your brain function. It brings healing to bits of your brain that weren't working right. That's physical. That's science. It's real. They can measure it. They can see it with the MRI scans. Incredible stuff. So Paul expresses his gratitude and he builds up the Philippians. He builds them up emotionally, physically, spiritually. In fact, this letter builds us up today. It's written so long ago. And yet when we read it and when we study it and when we understand it, we can be built up by it. We can find healing and transformation by it. The word is alive, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's working in us. So the question now is, is your gratitude being expressed in love and adoration and praise to God? Are there people whom you need to thank even for the little things? Can you recognize the good amongst the not so good? Sometimes we just need to speak into chaos. Love. Aren't we called to love one another? Isn't our God a God of love? You see, the moment you speak in that fashion, you get back in step with the Spirit. The moment we don't speak in that fashion, the moment we don't live in that, that fashion, we're back into the dominion of darkness. And Satan's using you. But if you come back in line with God, back in line with the Son of His love, we come back into the kingdom and we speak words of love. We speak life words into people's lives. How amazing that is. When we speak it in the chaos every day. Remember Jesus says, my word is spirit. So are your words. They are spirit and they do do things. Well, let's speak love. Let's speak healing. Let's speak forgiveness. Amazing what happens when you do that. So this passage, it really forces us to consider some questions. First of all, am I a grateful person? You've got to answer the question. Am I a grateful person? Am I thanking God for all the blessings He showers upon me every day? Even in the not so nice days, God's still blessing you. Or are you resentful because you think He's let you down? Do you grumble in your present circumstances? God hates grumbling. The Bible tells us about that. He knows what it does to us. Gratitude opens up the door to receive God's grace, His love, His peace, to become more whole people. Ingratitude closes the door and leads only to more brokenness. So what's the application for this whole message? Well, Jesus says something interesting. He says we need to forgive those who hurt us. We need to bless those who use us and hurt us. He shows us through his own life where he prayed for those who hurt him physically and publicly humiliated him. Hanging off the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, how often has that happened to you where someone is doing something to you and they have no idea of the consequences? They have no idea actually which spirit they're working in. And we need to ask for their forgiveness. The Apostle Paul demonstrated the same attitude. Stephen, in the book of Acts, whilst he was being stoned, says exactly the same things. Father, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. And he sees the heaven himself. Itself. How amazing. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do about those who hurt you or humiliate you? Will you keep on thinking about these hurts and the hurtful people? Or will you be like Jesus, like Paul, 
Will you turn from your hurts and from your humiliation? Will you let God free you from the pain of these things and heal you spiritually, emotionally, perhaps even physically? There's a part that you need to play in this journey to actually receive the healing from the hurt of others. Now, I wish that I could just stand here and pray for you and it would just happen. But this is not magic. It's not. You need to be part of this. God has given each one of us responsibility. You need to change the focus of your life. Not the hole anymore. Look at the donut. You've got before you the hurts you've received from others. The people who've hurt you. To get deep healing, what you need to do is to make a decision. To determine from this moment, from this moment on, I'm going to take my focus off the hurts. I'm going to take my focus off the people. I'm going to do a 180 degree turn and turn to God. There's a nice church word for that. It's called repentance. And what's fascinating, what's fascinating about this, if you consider the situation of the Apostle Paul, he was fully justified. If he wanted to call down fire or whatever else he could possibly do as, a, as, a, as an apostle, he was fully justified because these people had hurt him wrongfully. They'd abused him in the wrong way. He was absolutely right in his anger. Yet he chose not to go there. He repented. He was in the right and he repented. Now what does that say to some of us? Some of the difficulties we might be having with people. We can be in the right and still need to repent. Because I'm saying, go, turn away from the situation. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Get your eyes back on your God. Because when you do that, and if you want to do that, you open yourself to God's healing in you, in your spirit, in your emotions, in your body. So why not begin? Why not do that? Why not start that journey? Think of one person. Get one person in your mind. Later on you can do it with others. And then pray with me. If you'd like to do it, I'm going to pray a prayer. If there's a situation you're thinking about, I want to pray about that one right now. Father, we come before you and we make a choice. A choice to take our focus off those hurts and off those people who hurt me. I forgive the sinners. I forgive their sin against me. I choose, Father, in the name of Jesus to let them go. And I pray, Father, that you would bless them. I choose to get my focus right. I turn from these hurts to you. Pour your healing into my body, my mind, my spirit, that I might become all that you want me to be, walking in the center of your will for me. Fill me now with your spirit, that your love may be released into me and through me to touch the lives of others and of all those around me, I pray. In the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord.